The following is an exclusive presentation of WPTF and Applied Vision Works. This is the Building a Leadership Culture Podcast, hosted by Bruce Gresham, the Principal Strategic Advisor of Applied Vision Works. An in-depth look at how Bruce and President Don Hadley help businesses reach their long-term goals. Here's your host, Bruce Gresham. Welcome to the Building a Leadership Culture Podcast, brought to you by Applied Vision Works. I'm your host, Bruce Gresham, and I'm so grateful to be a part of the Applied Vision Works team. We're a business consulting firm that helps businesses of all sizes reach their goals faster. You can learn more at AppliedVisionWorks.com or give us a call at 919-739-2980. As always, want to thank the folks at WPTF, especially Chris Hooks, making all of this technology, this wizardry happen. We are recording this via Zoom as we've had since uh, the beginning of COVID, and he makes it all very seamless for us. So really appreciate Chris and the team at WPTF. Today, we have Ron Lutz back by popular demand. I believe he's the first return guest to the show. Ron has led Fortune 50 companies and private sector organizations in executive and C-suite roles in marketing, customer experience, and business development, among many, many other areas. Ron, welcome to the show. Bruce, thank you. I do greatly appreciate being back again. So enjoyed our first time around. So looking forward to the chat today. It was a lot of fun. You made my job easy. So today we're going to talk a little bit around the theme of clients remember how you make them feel, how your organization makes them feel. And you had recently had a conversation with the National Retail Federation that was posted on their website regarding engaging consumers in the ways that they're shopping now, which we all know is evolving daily. But in that conversation, you, know, you had this thought around clients remember how you make them feel that, that I just thought was spot on. And it's been a thread that you've pulled on several times over the years and articles that you've written or talks you've given, can you give me a sense of how you came to this thought and how it has helped kind of drive the the teams that you lead and how you lead those teams? Certainly, Bruce. I tell you, this goes back uh, quite a few years with me. And I will tell you, it was a mentor that I had many, many years ago that instilled in us through his leadership that, you know what, people matter. At the end of the day, if you're in a customer service business, you're in a relationship business. And if your brand stands for something, then the way that you show up to take care of your customers is an extension of that brand. Now, that's something that always stuck with me. And as we went through 2020, <laughs> the, year, uh, <laughs> the year of COVID, it became much more relevant for those brands, those retailers that were going to survive and quite frankly, thrive as they move through this, they really had to hearken back to the things that were core building blocks for them. You can have product and you can have services, but it's how you take care of the customer. As you think about it, in 2020, all of us, Bruce, yourself, I included in that, were very cautious in how we shopped. Our paradigms shifted. And when we uh, decided to purchase or, or came out of our cocoon to do that, we wanted to make sure that we were taken care of. And there were some non-negotiables we as consumers had, Bruce. And 
And one of those was, I want to make sure I'm safe. I want to make sure my family is safe. So that all evolved into how do I feel as a customer walking into a retailer? If I'm going to vote for you by walking into your door or shopping with you, this will be really important that I have an expectation of something probably more than I had received in the past. But this whole notion, I can get into the emotional intelligence of it, and we can talk about that. But frankly, as it boils down to basic instincts, I'm going to remember how you made me feel through this experience and through this exercise. And I'm going to show back up, and I'm going to vote for you again by walking in your door or shopping with you if you've taken care of me the first, the first time around. And how has this evolved, not only with COVID, because you touched on that, but over the past decade with the explosion of, of e-commerce? Yeah, you know, when e-commerce came about, and really e-commerce, if you go back to when it first really hit the horizon, it was really more a supply chain conversation. We began to think in compressed time and, and customers said, I want to be able to shop how I want to shop, when I want to shop, in any way that I want to shop. I remember back as I was working for a Fortune 50 company at the time and was focused on customer experience, we really had to take in consideration the changing environment, changing landscape without customers wanting to shop. And if that person wanted to shop at two in the morning because that's when it was most convenient to them, how did they engage with you so that you know they could ex- receive a good experience? And so it really evolved out of a supply chain and then it moved into sort of an emotional connection, right? I needed to be able to engage, interact with design tools, possibly online. I need to be able to have confidence that when I place that order, it's sort of out of sight, out of mind, that I knew it was going to be available. It was going to be ready for me to pick up and there were going to be no issues with it. And then the next piece of that was when the purchase became more complicated and I needed assistance or experience, how was I going to get that online? Then the whole YouTube notion came around, Bruce, where I could investigate and research anything online before I made a purchase. And then the retailers got really brilliant and said, you know what? YouTube algorithm said, these are the most popular videos for this type of work or this type of installation. So the retailers began to grab those and make sure that they too were posted online. So what happened with that? It gave the customer confidence that they had done the research. They recognized how to do this project. They watched the YouTube and then went to the retailer's online portal to order it. That same YouTube video was there. So it just connected the confidence for the consumer with the retailer and began to build that sort of brand affinity that customers were looking for. Bringing up a great point around YouTube, you know, some folks maybe don't realize that YouTube's actually the second largest search engine in essence behind their parent company, Google. And, you know, Facebook's important, Twitter's important, Instagram, et cetera. But YouTube is, is really up there as far as its importance for all sorts of companies, not only retailers, but heavy manufacturing, construction, et cetera, it's, it's a great way to, to get your name out there. You're absolutely right, Bruce. And the recognition of the power of that, I find that organizations and companies who are trying to remain relevant, it's really easy for companies to say, look, we, we are who we are and let's just stay in this space. But to remain relevant, you've got to move. You've got to move to where the consumer is asking you to be. And I think in sort of our previous uh, podcast together, I talked about successful companies 
recognize where the customer wants them to be just before the customer asks. Well, the only way to do that is to remain relevant. So one factor of that, several Fortune 50 companies are recognizing the power of YouTube and they're scanning what, what are the consumers looking at in terms of viewership, right, for on YouTube? What are those things in the business segment? And then they're connecting their relevance to what they know that their customers, their demographics are are reviewing and searching. And so it just begins to tie a lot of this AI together so that retailers remain main relevant. It's going to be more important moving forward than it has been in the last five years. And so earlier on, you had mentioned emotional intelligence or, or what is sometimes referred to as EQ. And I've always thought of that in terms of teams and team building and kind of internal. It sounded like you kind of spun it in terms of clients and client buying habits or customer buying habits and and that kind of thing. Tell me a little bit more. Bruce, I worked with a um, uh, an organization. We'll, just, we'll call them a quick serve restaurant. You're absolutely spot on. Their conversation was about how do we build uh, EQ or EI internally so that we're empowering our people, right? And, and to make them more uh, more engaged and more connected, which is really the foundation of what EQ and EI is. But we took that one step further. Now, let me just share with you a quick story. So the the power of this was they, de- they determined or developed a way to move forward with EQ and EI internally and said, we're going to tie that around marketing and we're going to uh, have a promotion that's going to go out to, to the industry. So they selected certain folks in the marketplace of their franchise uh, sort of restaurants and they had a contest and they determined, uh, selected based on the criteria, here are the top 10, I'll call it top 10 restaurants in a district based on the criteria. They took it one step further and said, we're going to tie a promotion around this. Those that met the top 10 criteria that were selected the top 10, they empowered them at the drive-through windows of the restaurants to say, we want you to delight and surprise customers. We want you to give away food. We want you to give away, select five customers during the course of the day. We want you to select them for whatever reason. You're empowered to do this. So what happened, Bruce, was when these 10 people at these 10 locations selected drive-through customers, gave them the meal or the drink or whatever it was, a phenomenon happened. The customer who received it, was they were ecstatic. They were surprised. So, so, so they're telling people about it. This particular restaurant did this. Here's what happened. This particular restaurant, they, 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 they extended that out to multiple districts uh, across multiple states. And coming through 2020, their comps were up over 30%, Bruce. So what happened? They took an internal engagement sort of contest spun that and said, how can we affect customers with that same engagement power? And then it lifted sales. And they planned promotions around that. Their average ticket increased, their basket, which is being additional items, increased. And overall, it became a phenomenal experience for this particular company. So it's leveraging the power of emotional or EQ beyond the confines of just trying to be internal. And how do you put that out into the marketplace? And I'm, we're going to see more of this happen. In some ways, boils down to happy employees translate to happy clients who are buying more and, and repeat buyers, right? Mm-hmm. It does. There's, there's also another dynamic around EIEQ that's beginning to emerge. And I'm going to go back to the, I think the title of this particular podcast is, you know, I'm going to make sure I remember how you made me feel. Here's a stat. Here's some stats that just came out. A survey that just happened uh, actually a couple of weeks ago by a company called uh, Shopkick. 
And in that survey, they said 79% of the consumers expect the retailers to, even today, enforce the health and safety protocols that have been established through COVID. And 89% of those want you to require face coverings and make sure the customers wear them and ensure that uh, employees wear them as well. 80% of those surveyed want to make sure the retailers continue social distancing. Where I'm going with all this is even though we've come through, vaccines are coming out, we've created a new awareness for customers. And there's an expectation as they visit retailers that they're taken care of, that their safety matters, that they are, that their families are safe, their families are taken care of. There's another shift that happened, Bruce, in that previously, if I think all of us had experience, if you went shopping and you were looking for something, you found an associate in the floor and said, here's what I'm looking for. The associate would say, oh, great. That's on aisle 12, right? That's our, been our experience. What's happened since we've moved through COVID is that, and retailers are extremely, those that are relevant get this piece. Instead of saying, oh, it's on aisle 12, Bruce. Hold on, Bruce. Let me take you over here. Let's walk over here. What is exactly you're looking for? What project are you working on? Well, that's down here on, it's in the second uh, second shelf over here. They're making a, an intentional connection with you as a customer, having that conversation, becoming more personal about the journey that you're on within their store. And that's connecting them in terms of developing that relationship. I go back to our early conversation, relationships are important. So through that connection, the consumer is saying, you know what, I enjoy this connection. I enjoy the conversation. You understand what I'm after. You're adhering to the safety protocols. I feel good about shopping with you. That of itself is part of EI in today's environment. You gave the example around someone asking, where's the screwdriver? Where's the whatever? And and saying it's on aisle 12. All often where the associate tells me where it's at and they say, hey, let me show you. I'll usually say, oh no, I've, I've got it. Thank you. I'm, I'm good with directions. I can navigate my way there. And, and I really appreciate when they go a step further and actually don't listen to me and take me to the spot and make sure that I actually arrive there. That makes for a, a richer client experience. And you mentioned around some of those stats regarding COVID, uh, for example, you know, 79% of folks want you to enforce the health and safety protocols, that kind of thing. And that's not only in the retail space, it's also in the construction space, in the service trades, plumbers, electricians, other folks, HVAC you know, folks who are coming into your house to install something, fix something, they're really having to do a lot of work around or continuing to do a lot of work around how they're going to enter in someone's home the right way so that they don't turn off their customer and they get repeat buyers. I I think that's going to be kind of ever-changing now for for the foreseeable future. What are your thoughts? Bruce, I would agree with you. I think we've we've seen a paradigm shift here in terms of what's important to people. You go back to the emotion of what happened over the last year, and, and rightfully so, people were scared, people were concerned. And as we came through this, we began to develop measures to offset that fear and began to focus on what are the protocols that keep me safe, keep my family safe. And part of what you just mentioned, regardless of the trade, I think we're all seeing that shift to wearing of the masks or the social distancing, washing of the hands and so forth, so on. There's an expectation now. We're beginning to find ourselves. It's not a, an exception. 
it's an expectation. Now, we still have those who may not adhere to it totally, but by and large, when consumers are telling me 79% of them say, I want you to follow those protocols, you've got a large portion of the people saying this is this is going to be the new norm, at least until something else changes in that. So there's an expectation. If you're not adhering to it, I use the analogy that you know, I'm going to vote for you by entering your place of business or a repeat customer if you follow those things that are important to me and I trust how you make me feel around those. Part of that stat, Bruce, was that 62%, 62% of people said that it will definitely influence where they shop, where they purchase in terms of if you follow the protocols or not. That's a significant portion. And we need as providers to recognize that the consumers are telling us this is what's important. It's just another customer service data point, something that you have to do to be successful in the marketplace. You can connect with Ron Lutz on LinkedIn. His handle at linkedin.com is R-O-N-W-L-U-T-Z 10 at linkedin.com. And as always, you can find us at AppliedVisionWorks.com. You can email me at bgresham at AppliedVisionWorks.com or connect via phone at 919-739-2980. Ron, you talked a little bit about non-negotiables for customers, consumers, clients, et cetera. How are you seeing that evolve as we kind of hopefully get through all this COVID nonsense um, as the vaccine goes out. Yeah, there are certain things, Bruce, that the, the customer is just saying, I need to make sure and I, I need to see that you're you're concerned about me. So part of that is, and I did an article, I think here recently, a, a new acronym, right? We need another acronym. It was BOPAC, <laughs> right? Buy online, buy online and pick up at curb, right? So we've got BOPAS, buy online and pick up in store, but buy online and pick up at curb is something that is, is here to stay and for the foreseeable future, even to the extent that working with clients, doing design work around new launches of new facilities, new stores, they're taking into consideration there's parking spaces, signage out front locations that um, designing that into new locations that will be buy online and pick up at curb. So there's an expectation that I've got the opportunity to do that. Then the next piece of that, I go back to my relevance comment retailers have to staff the curb with decision makers, right? So you think about if I come into a store and uh, I've got questions or I'm making a decision and I want to be able to engage someone to help with that. Well, I've made a decision online. I've decided I've ordered what I wanted to order. Well, let's, let's say something changes or I have a question. When I go to the curb to pick that up, how do I engage or ask those questions? Or if I want to buy another item or I've got a concern, you need to empower the curb with a decision maker that can answer the questions or at least get the answer for someone. Then you need to couple that with technology. So that of itself is part of that relevance connection that retailers need to have with, with their customer. I can get off on a totally, totally separate <laughs> podcast on just buy online and pick up a curb, Bruce, but that's a that's a non-negotiable now is the, uh, the ability to be flexible in how I want to shop that's extending the store out of the parking lot. Right? You know, it goes without saying that there was a lot of negative that came out of COVID-19 and all that other kind of stuff. But in any situation or challenge like that, over time, more and more good comes out of it. And so buy online and pick up on curb is is one of those things. I I absolutely love it. It actually has me quote unquote shopping more now if if that makes sense. You know, I would walk into a grocery store or wherever with my wife and my wife would kind of announce me 
hello, Bruce, this is a grocery store, you know, because I just didn't do <laughs> didn't do much shopping other than to run in and out of places to grab things. And so there are other great things in other industries that have also popped up. We actually have a heavy manufacturing customer who, with all these safety protocols, cleanliness protocols, they're like, you know what? Our time off has actually gone down. Sure, we had a, a few cases of COVID here, there. Overall, we've had more people show up for work and not take sick days because of everything that we're doing around over sanitizing hands and, and everything else. We're not spreading the flu. We're not spreading the common cold. There are so, so many good things that come out of this, this situation. Have you given thought to maybe other things that are positives that are, that are coming out of this? Yeah, Bruce, that's a, that's a great question. But I think if, I think really the, the comment is there's a unity in all of this, mm-hmm. like it or not, we had a singular focus, right? The focus was how do we, how do we avoid this to remain healthy and, and take care of those who, who may have contracted? So it's, gave, it's given all of us as a population a unified focus on that. And I would agree that the protocols that are in place have, whether it's dampened the sort of the virus or dampened the, the, those things, the flu season or what have you, that is a positive. A, another is that for those companies that are, are embracing um, how to think differently, we're coming up with new technologies. We're coming up with simplified ways for, for customers to shop. At the end of the day, if you look at the, the metrics that just recently came out, the, the performance of Walmart, performance of Target, performance of big box retail, 2020 was a year that, especially if you're a essential business, you ended up with a pretty good year. And so why was that? People wanted somewhere to connect to. All the work from home and all the things that we face, people wanted a familiar brand, a familiar name that they could have confidence in and, and connect with. So and I know this is a little bit tangential, but many consumers said, I, you know, I, I miss being engaged with Sally over at the local name of store. And they, they missed that connection. So by being able to, uh, to visit the store, knowing that they were safe, what have you, was, was something that they appreciated being able to do. I think another, another benefit or another, I guess, a positive that came, came out of it is that you look at Zoom and Teams and people were connecting more intentionally. Family members, they may not have seen, there was a stat that came out that the overall usage of Zoom and those type of media were exponentially up. And then they looked, they did a dissection, how much of that was business driven, how much was family driven or personal connections. And the, the tide rises all boats. The activity was not only just more business connection, but it was also about families coming together and connecting more in that way. So I think even, even from a family unit perspective, based on those metrics, uh, people were connected more than they had in the past. Oh, that's a great point. And we, we did the same thing. Um, we're really blessed with a, a pretty big extended family and we're all football fans and we would usually get together during kind of key moments in the season and that kind of thing. And one of them is the NFL draft. And last year we ended up having an NFL draft party via Zoom. I mean, we watched the draft together. We saw my mom's forehead. It was a little weird. Yeah, her camera <laughs> angle wasn't quite right. But uh, we we all had a good good time with it and and really enjoyed it. And how customers remembering how you make them feel is not only the physical interaction when you're in person, but it also kind of shifts to the digital interaction as well. And 
that's going to become more and more important as we move on. Oh, it absolutely is, Bruce. Even in the consummation of the activity around making purchases, right? I go, oh, let's go back. Let's go back to the the YouTube example that we used a, little, a, a bit ago. So what's happening is there you're you're helping that customer have confidence in their ability to either shop with you or confidence in their ability to be able to make good decisions or confidence in that this is a project I think I can do. When you're connecting information that if they viewed information on YouTube and they say, I think I can do this, and you're giving them the confidence because they're seeing the same type of information and you're bolstering that. So that gives them a sense of accomplishment that they can handle that or they're making a good decision or you're the right place they should be shopping with. That of itself is leveraging digital that's already in place, but it's bolstering the confidence of the consumer. Another major retailer is taking the digital I think, spirit to to another level. And they are connecting all their supply chain with those decision processes. They're connecting how the customer wants it from a delivery aspect. They're connecting the ability of one click to say, do you want this, this item installed? How do you want it delivered? Do you want to do it yourself? Do you need more videos? You want to grade yourself on whether you think this is this is easy, medium, or too difficult for you. Taking technology and just making it so simple for the consumer. I recall hearing the former CEO of Home Depot making the statement that because of what we're experienced over 2020, we've, we've accelerated digital capabilities three to five years. And I would agree that's the case, just simply because we're forcing ourselves to talk, think, and engage differently than we have in the past. You can connect with Ron Lutz. On LinkedIn, his handle there is R-O-N-W-L-U-T-Z-10. Don Hadley, our founder of Applied Vision Works, has a great book called The Journey to Meaning. Not only is it a fun, quick story, but there are worksheets at the end of each chapter that business owners can kind of assess where their business currently stands and helps them determine the next steps in their business journey. The first five folks who email me at bgresham at appliedvisionworks.com and request a copy of the book will receive a free digital copy to read on their iPad or tablet of their choice. Thank you for listening to Building a Leadership Culture Podcast. Join us soon to listen to part two with Ron Lutz on Clients Remember How You Make Them Feel. You've been listening to the Building a Leadership Culture podcast with Applied Vision Works Principal Strategic Advisor, Bruce Gresham. Questions, concerns? Please email Craig Chase at cchase at appliedvisionworks.com or call 800-786-4332. This has been an exclusive presentation of WPTF and Applied Vision Works.